Hi everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called, How Much Ownership Do We Have Over Other People's Choices? All right, stick around guys, it's gonna be fun. (laughs) So when I was a little girl, I falsely believed that when I became a parent, whatever I wanted my kids to do, all I had to do was basically wave the magic wand and my magical influence over them would make them do what I wanted them to do. (laughs) Hmm. You know, I'm now keenly aware that not only do my kids not follow necessarily what I want them to follow 100% of the time, but like rarely does our own... I don't know, like our influence really affect somebody else to the point where their choices are altered. Like as much as you could give somebody perfect advice, have you ever noticed that like sometimes you feel like, oh yeah, that was good. Like I just gave them some really, really good gold there. Like that was the stuff. And then it's like the end of your sentence and the kid's like, what's for dinner? Or like... (laughs) Uh, I just, I'm now coaching boys, third and fourth graders, and it like, now more than ever, I'm very much aware of like, I could have the best talk, and I'm like, yeah, that was really good, I just got them all fired up, and they, they listened, and then they walk off and do the exact thing I just told them not to do, or like, they're like, wait, what are we doing now? (laughs) You know, I mean, like, it doesn't matter how gold that information drop was if somebody is not really like in sponge mode and ready to absorb it it's on deaf ears right but how much influence do we really have over anybody so i was thinking to myself the other day because i'm watching people join my um my free facebook group every day and then you know they're posting about their personal situations and as i'm reading some of these comments i'm aware that There's a lot of times that people, I mean, let's face it, when you lose a loved one, everybody wants to be able to blame somebody, right? I mean, that just happens. I feel like oftentimes with people, it's like, I don't know whether it's the anger and all of these grief emotions that stir up of like, you know, just disbelief and frustration and anger and sadness, depression, whatever. It's this this big giant toilet bowl mixture of all these things maybe that brings it out. But oftentimes people are really in that state of like wanting to have somebody to like pin it on. And that's sad because truth be told, I don't even think that anybody is that powerful. So that kind of is what got me thinking along this line of like how much influence do we truly even have over one another's and But boy, I mean, in the medical field, let's give some grace there for sure, because I've walked that walk, you know, being the person that walks in with a lab coat and someone expecting you to be able to magically make it all better. And we're human, you know, we want to, we have a better arsenal maybe than the next guy to be able to try to support getting you what you want, but it doesn't make us miracle workers. Uh, You know, we don't carry a wand in our back pocket and no matter how hard I would pray for my patients or like say these, you know, these internal, this or internal dialogue that I had sort of going constantly with God about like, you know, this person really doesn't deserve this. Like help me find what I need to, to, to help, <laughs> you know, and no matter how hard I pleaded sometimes it, it wasn't to be answered. And 
I, why, why do I think that is? Well, I just, I truly don't think that there's some kind of hierarchy amongst us where some people carry the answers. You know, I mean, sure, we, some of us take on higher education to be able to answer some of the really tough questions, to be able to help guide people. But even like, you know, it's similar to how you hear these disclaimers of like, this is not medical advice, this, da, 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 da. you know, very similarly, I would say in any field, in any scope of practice, it's, you could say the same thing. It's like even a doctor who's going to carry out a surgery, they are not saying by, you know, I, yes, I have the background. Yes, I am trained. But am I promising you that you're going to be able to get what you want? I can't make that promise. You know, it's like no matter what, let's not, first off, let's not hold one another liable for all this stuff because if, I mean, I like to believe people are, are like coming from it at the same, from the same place that I am. But as long as we're giving our everything to it, we're trying our hardest to find the solutions. It's like, oh, I hate seeing people backpedaling from professions that can hold them liable because of that very reason, because it's too much of a headache. I know a lot of people who'd like to start their own private practices, but all of that liability insurance and stuff, it keeps them back from doing it. So think about all that great stuff that could be in our world, that could be at our access, but people are too afraid to throw their hat in the ring because they don't know what's going to happen if you don't get the outcome that you want or feel you deserve or, you know, and, and like, I'm going to take this from the other point of view. So... You know, I mean, you got to understand as a practitioner, these people that are coming in, they're, they've exhausted everything in their artillery. You know what I mean? They're like they've already gone through it. They've already looked at it and said, this is beyond what I can handle on my own. I need the professionals. So that's what's brought them to you. So you really are their one shining star of hope. You know, I mean, when we went to that first doctor's visit, it was like every single ounce of being able to hang anything like just it was all laid at his feet like we were like what you know if he was to say that like there's nothing he could do our world would have collapsed if he had said this is no big deal and you're okay our days would be bright and beautiful it was quite literally hanging on the words that came out of his mouth next do you know what I mean like truth be told he was in that sense the one holding that wand for us and now that was our perception. In reality, all he was doing was using his skills to read an MRI and then relay the message. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't create the cancer within my husband. He couldn't magically dissipate it. He literally was just the deliverer of information. And the one who was, you know, reading it and making the best educated guess for a plan as to what to do next. And even there, like one might say, well, yeah, so they gave the wrong plan. They told my person to do chemo and then the chemo killed them. Because I've heard this a lot from people thinking that whatever choice they made now that because I followed what you advised, that's what led to this. When in reality... If some, I mean, sometimes that's a case. Sure. Sometimes in the absence of taking that movement, like obviously if they hadn't taken that surgery, they wouldn't have died in surgery if they hadn't. But what you really need to consider is in the alternative world that there was no doctor there giving that advice and having you try that thing. You probably would have been alone in your home fighting this battle in, you know, completely blindly without any idea of anything that could help or not help. And likely the steps you would or would not have taken as a result of being in charge of your own care 
you know, it might have been even worse. You don't know. That's the thing. It's easy to, especially when things don't go your way, make assumptions over the way that, you know, it seems like it, it rolled out because of this, you know, A plus B equaled this reaction of C. And and you're thinking that if if only I hadn't followed and done that thing, if I hadn't added B into that equation, C never would have happened. Nope. But D would have happened, and we don't even know what that outcome would have been, right? Um, like, just A by itself on one side of the equation likely wasn't going to equal, like, on the other side of it, some perfect outcome where every all the cancer disappeared and it was perfect and beautiful. So you would have had to add something else to that equation, and whatever else you added could have had a worse result, could have had no result, could have had, like, a shorter time period of time with your person. So I'm using, like, cancer as a, an example here, but you can apply this to anything. I mean, we very much, when things aren't right, like if I get home with my bag of groceries I just got at the grocery store, my bread is smushed. Somebody put it in with all the cans and heavy items and it is pancaked. I'm going to go, oh my gosh, this bagger, what were they thinking? They put the hard stuff in on top of my bread. <laughs> right? I, come on. Now you got to admit, you've probably done something like that before when something didn't come all your way. And then you looked at what, what went wrong in the equation. And then whoever did that thing, they're the one that screwed it all up. But it's just not always the case. I mean, first off, if I had packed my own groceries, who knows how distracted I would have been. I could have left the bread on the counter and not even packed it in a bag at all. I could have put it in a bag all by itself and that bag still could have blown out and it could have ended up on the road. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of other factors. You still don't know the whole picture. But even let's go down the road of like, okay, a bagger put it in the wrong bag and, and because of that, this happened. I mean, is there... One, a benefit to really being upset with that bagger. Is it really going to change that outcome? Because it already happened. Um, oftentimes, actually, if you even did go in and complain at a store that this is what happened, they would probably replace it for you. But then think bigger picture, people. Because, I mean, a lot of the times people are like, yeah, that's what I would do then. I would absolutely get myself a new fresh thing of bread. I paid for it. It should be good. Well, Okay, so now what? So now the store owner who hired this person, who maybe it was their first week, did their best, screwed up, whatever. Now they're getting reprimanded. Now maybe they have to fire them. Now they fire them. Now they don't have a bagger. Now they don't have a bagger. Now you're the bagger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh boy. <laughs> it, there's a, like a, a lot of different domino effects here that go on with every little thing that we choose to do. I just had a, um, a Christmas item I ordered one of those little things of books for my son for Christmas where like, you know, there's like five, it's a chapter series or whatever. There's like five books in this box and it's supposed to be like, so it can contain all the books together and then it's wrapped in plastic and everything. So it looks like a new item. Well, I open it up. There's no way it was a new item. They must've just wrapped it and sent it out. But um, I'm looking at it and all four corners of this box are ripped so that it doesn't contain all the books. They won't stay in it. It's kind of like ripped and frayed and whatnot. But like the books themselves were in perfect condition. And in addition to the books being in perfect condition, they don't look like they've ever even been opened up. So something happened to that 
cardboard container that was meant to hold all these things in. So I had to think on this one for a second because I'm like, you know, I really did buy it because I like I like the organization in my life these days. <laughs> like I already know what's going to happen once it's in my son's bedroom. It's going to be a disaster. The books are going to be all over the place. And when I have this little sleeve thing to hold them all in, it does help a little. So I definitely, it played into me purchasing this product. So on the one hand, I feel like I should say something, right? Like I don't, I don't want to just like have something that's not what I ordered and not even like do anything about it. Then on the other hand, I'm thinking to myself, is it worth my time and my energy to now package this back up, have the company have to take the time to send me a return label, slap it on the thing, send it out. I'm not having the books all the while. Nobody's reading anything. It's not, not in my possession any longer. All the while just waiting until like, what, a month later or whatever, they can send me a new one, which hopefully isn't damaged and looks perfect and yuppity yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I sat on this one for a second and I was like, I just don't even think that the answer is going to necessarily make me feel any better. It's not going to necessarily make the usage of this so much better of an experience. In reality, some clear tape on all those corners could probably hold it all together well enough to hold the books in, up until the, at which point he's read all the books and I'm gonna donate it somewhere anyway, right? So why am I gonna give this person that's selling the item such a bad day to have to like, so I instead I got to the area where you can like, you know, reply to seller about the quality of the thing or whatever. And I just kind of, I included a couple pictures and just said, just so you know, like this is kind of how it arrived. It was in the package nicely. The books all look in great shape, but the actual container was kind of beat up. But I just wanted you to, you know, it was like just letting them know. But guess what happened? She offered me $10 back. Now listen, this isn't like, that part of the book set was probably not worth $10. It's a really gracious thing. I didn't even have to take the steps now to go through the return and the whatever, but I also didn't just hassle her with this in the way where now it's gonna put out another employee to have to figure this out and all the time. And, and, and then she also, because she received my words in a way that didn't feel like I expected something of her. I didn't need her to return it. I didn't need her to fix this and give me my money back or da da da. Now I didn't hurt this small company that's just trying their best to succeed. Because basically that $10 was probably the profit they would have made on it. So it was probably just like a wash, right? Like they didn't make anything. They didn't lose anything. It was just probably a wash. But it, in the end, it worked out for me to feel okay, for her to feel okay, and for nobody to get hurt in the crossfire. Do you know what I mean? Like if we could just seek solutions like that where nobody's getting hurt in the crossfire more often, I feel like everything would go smoother. You know, when we're talking about our own health, wellness, um, mental health, especially has been, you know, in the forefront lately and with the new year. And, but people are really focusing on individual betterment and stuff at the new year, always all this stuff. But like we, sometimes we just ignore all those little things because those aren't part of like the big picture. They're not like, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm not really like, I forget about the fact that I had this whole hassle with having to return a weight that didn't arrive as supposed to and whatever. Anyway, you get where I'm going with this. But sometimes those littler interactions in life, they're actually what like makes or breaks 
how the rest of our life goes. Because if we're somebody who's just going to be so up in our stuff about how annoyed we are with the way that transaction went down, well, I'm never doing business with that company again. This was garbage and it took time out of my thing to have to fix this. And da, 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 da. I hear people like this every day. So if I'm making you laugh, I kid you not, this is very much some people's everyday mentality. And if you fall into that category, really hear yourself back. Like try to like if you were to have recorded yourself in that last, maybe you should even, next time you have to do something like a return or whatever, record yourself and listen back. Because uh, sometimes you almost have to step outside of yourself to really go, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't really my best version of myself there. But it's those little interactions that they feel like nothing. But I mean, I could have let, like, this is where the to-do pile comes from. Because So for me, procrastination is like one of the big things in the new year I want to do away with. But where does procrastination come from? It comes from too many of those little things have added up and I can't keep up with it. Like a pile of like two or three things that needed to get returned. Um, you know, uh, a charge that was wrong on my card or, a, um, you know, a bill that was sent that something didn't make sense on that I got to call and figure out. And it's all the stuff that like we're being so nitpicky and worried about it. It's bogging down our brains. When in reality, we have it in our control. If I looked at my entire stack of things that I have to do and I figured out what I could actually save for money or save for time or, you know, what would better my life or what would whatever in that pile, I would pay double that just to get rid of the pile. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's like, why are we self-creating all these like, oh, I really need to do that. I need to bring this back. I need to do that. I need to um, stop by this place. And But look at it and say like, if I could have double the money that all this would save me, or I could have double the amount of time on my hands, or I could, like, what is it worth to you is what I'm asking. Because I think <laughs> more often than not lately, I've just been kind of like crumpling it up. Like it's not even worth the effort. It's not even like whatever it is, it's not, I, I don't even care that much about it enough for it to be uh, something that is now weighing on me as something I have to get to. It's not worth it. Just let it go. <laughs> so it's hard to prioritize things like that. But when you look at it through the lens of like, what advantage do I have to leaving that till tomorrow or to like dealing with it at all? Like, is it really something I could just let go and not even make it such a big thing? Because if you could, like, why are you hanging on to it so tight? Um, I've had things like that for a long time. And sometimes, like, I have this one pile. It was a pile of things that used to be, like, on my island. And then we had company over one day. I think I shoved it in a Hannaford bag. Because I was like, ugh, I don't even have the time to deal with that pile. I'll deal with it later. That Hannaford bag got moved from location to location to location. I looked at it again. I think it was two years later. I kid you not. Like, I think this bag had gotten shoved off into some corner. That two years later, I was looking at it. I was like, oh my gosh, I still haven't even gotten rid of this stuff. Did I really think there was something in there so valuable that it was worthy of, like, taking up space, time, energy from my life? No. <laughs> I don't even, I'm literally looking at this pile now and I'm like, I don't even know what any of this is. Like, what is it? Why is it? You know, even like a broken toy was shoved in there. I guess I thought later I might glue it back together. Come on. The to-do list. If you have things of a like, oh yeah, someday project stuff, get rid of it. If someday hasn't become today yet, get rid of it. Um, and this isn't just about like how to sort of clear our minds of clutter and stop procrastinating. That's not what today's episode is about. But it is a bit about control. It is a bit about like, what do we really have? Um, 
like, yeah, control, I guess control is the best word for it. What do we have control over and what is beyond us and that we are making, you know, we're making these things so important. We're making these things have to stick around, have to be done. But when you really peel it back, sometimes it's just going to make someone else's day worse. Sometimes it's just going to not like, even if it is a benefit to you, it's not enough of a benefit that it was worth what it gave you in the time being while it sat there and looked at you as something you had to get to. And you know, where you were putting off and that kind of thing. Cause you don't want to have that stuff on you when you shake and rid yourself of that. Oh, it's so freeing. Uh, there's a book out there. Mark Hoverson is the one who wrote it. I think it's called, million dollar day. Don't quote me on that y'all. Um, but anyway, it, it kind of goes through this in a different light and it might be a worthy read, but basically what I'm saying is cleanse yourself of all this stuff. If it is in a mental to-do list, if it is somewhere in there weighing on your soul or it's sitting there and you could reevaluate it and go, is this even worth what it would do to somebody else's life? just to free something up off my plate. Like think about those things. Cause sometimes we don't think beyond our own bubble. It's like, yeah, that'll feel really good for me. But have you ever considered the other side of the coin? You know, if something was truly an accident or an error or whatever, what would rectifying that really do to the bigger picture? Not just your world, not just your life and how it would be affected, but considering people another notch out, you know, imagine that ripple and where that ripple effect takes you. And even just one layer out, what's it going to do to those people? And then there's usually another layer. Like, so let's say the person that packed that item to be shipped. Now their job might be affected. Now they have another thing on their plate that they have to do today to try to fix. Now you go out a whole nother rung. What about that business owner who's going to have to incur that cost? What about the, you know what I mean? Like think beyond. That's what I'm encouraging you to do today. Because I don't think that all, it's very easy to point the finger, but I just don't think the blame is always where we're pointing. So more on that right after the break, guys. Don't go anywhere. For anybody experiencing soul-crushing loss, I have a free Facebook group where we are supporting one another and I am doing free coaching. It's as simple as using this link, get your pen ready, H-T-T-P-S colon slash slash, there's no www, <laughs> connectionbeyondstruggle.com. So when you click that link, you can join my group and then shortly after you'll be welcomed in and we do free coaching every Monday. And beyond that, you have the support of a lot of other people that are going through devastating loss and we're helping each other. We're offering what works for us. We're sharing when it doesn't. We are um, we're basically each other's support system and it's a beautiful thing to watch and be a part of. So if you think yourself or anybody else could benefit from that, hop on over and grab your invitation to join. Now back to the show. So before the break, I had mentioned a little something right at the beginning of today's show about young people and how much our influence really does affect them. Um, you know, I mean, after all, today's show is called how much ownership do we have over other people's choices <laughs> well you know oh boy well my 
little guys for sure echo my sentiment on most things I have noticed. And I never tell them what to say. I never tell them how to feel. But more often than not, I find that when they're asked questions, I hear a bit of myself in them. So where I'm going with this is that recently inside my Facebook group, I gave my kids an opportunity to answer some questions for themselves and how they feel on certain things. And I definitely heard echoes of my own feelings around things. Now, I don't think that they've even heard me talk about it and are just like echoing that back. I think they have watched me. They have experienced the same things I've experienced. And in many ways, they know how I feel on certain things. They know because we talk about it and we go through it and, you know, we talk about what if this, what if that, um, and not all families probably do that, but I do think it's it's beneficial. It's really interesting to see and actually hear out loud what your kids' inner thoughts are um, because it's not always what you think it would be. But um, if you continuously behave in a certain way, I think it does seep in. I mean, I know that at school when the kids do political things, which they do have them do. I'm surprised they've taken religion out of school, but they haven't really taken politics out of school. And when they divide the kids up and have half of them in one party, half are Republicans, half are Democrats, and they have to go through the whole process of debating and whatnot. Um, I think a lot of kids tend to fall where their parents fall. That's all I'm saying. And so while on the one hand, I think telling your kids, don't do this isn't going to equal them not doing that. I do think that the ownership that we as parents have over our kids' choices is that they become a reflection of us in a lot of senses. Not all the time, not always, but they become a reflection of what they see. Let's put it that way. So if your kid is seeing violent video games 90% of their day, maybe that is what they'll become. If they are seeing bickering parents in a, you know, a failed marriage, maybe that is what they'll become. If they are seeing a compassionate and patient parent, maybe that's what they'll become. If they're seeing somebody who's outgoing and boisterous, maybe they, they take on some of that. If they're seeing more of a quiet, reserved, and listen more than you speak type, maybe that's what happens. But it's so funny because I'm often most frustrated with my kids when it's my own stuff that they're reflecting back at me. Like when I see them doing things that I kind of almost dislike in myself, I get real annoyed with them. I mean, that's when I should be taking ownership, right? That's when I can only be mad at myself because they're stubborn as heck because you're stubborn as heck and they have witnessed it and they have become it. So, you know, I mean, we can't be totally free of it. But I do think, um, uh, I was just watching something recently that was just so painful. It was this little kid who he spent most of his day with violent video games. Um, his parents had a million guns in the house. So I say a million, it was more than 50, which is a lot. Um, and they weren't all locked up. And this kid was like, you know, aggressive and, um, terrible to his parents and, but I mean, that's when I say like, how much of this can we really blame on this kid? You know, I mean, as a parent, if like even one, if my kid got fresh even one time with me and said something that was like, you know, sassy and talking back to me and I had given them as much as this child had in his life and like the freedoms, he had a phone, he was really young, he had a 
million video games and he was on the you know like I mean there's video games and then there's like this interactive type of video game now where like they can be online playing with other kids and he had that he had all of these things that I would have dialed and stripped back every single fresh word that came out of his mouth something else would be lost and that was, that's just like our parenting style my husband and I was like I'm not going to raise my voice and holler and make a fool of myself. You have things that you have that are privileges that I've provided with you or provided for you in life that I don't have to allow you to have. I'm your parent. So if you're not going to meet me with gratitude and kindness and good behavior, then the things go away until the behavior changes and then maybe the things can come back. You know, I mean, it's just kind of what's always worked for us. But, um, but it was like such an extreme situation where this kid had really just taken over this household. And, you know, I, the whole time, as much as like this kid was like this little punk that you just wanted to like smack back to Tuesday. <laughs> That's terrible. I didn't actually mean that, but he was that obnoxious where he kind of had John edge your seat. Like, oh my goodness, is he really saying that? You know? And so like, as much as I like just personally, my, my inside voice was going like, somebody needs to take care of this kid. I honestly wasn't even annoyed with the kid. I was so annoyed with the parents. I was like, what are you doing? Because there was so much control they could so easily grab back in the situation. And it's like when kids are small, they're like putty, you know? You can really, really change everything for them for the better. And then as they get older, I mean, just like clay, right? It gets stuck in its ways. And so do we as people. So the longer you let it go on and you don't get a grasp on it, the more this could become like a real ongoing problem and a bigger problem, you know? And so then this morning on the news, I was watching that there was a six-year-old who shot his teacher. Oh, so I mean... I just, my heart, first of all, this teacher, what a beautiful, beautiful soul that she, you know, really stepped in and made sure all these other kids were safe. But I just, six years old, I mean, my kids were playing with stuffed animals and like the innocence that was there at that age. I don't even know. They knew of guns, of course. I think kids at six do know about guns and sure. Um, you know, a lot of them see it like, and they think of it as like a plaything almost when they see it in like cartoons or whatnot. But, um, I don't know. I just, I always, I've, since my kids were tiny, every single time they've ever played. Now, first off, I don't even let my kids say like, if they're playing a video game with their friend and they say, I'm going to kill you. Oh, that I've heard that out of a kid's mouth before. And I, I was like jaw to the floor. I don't let those words come out of my kid's mouth. You I mean, you can even say, like, I'm going to get you or whatever, but that, but kill you. Oh, my goodness. Doesn't that sound just so wrong out of a small child's mouth? That should never come out. So that's the first thing. Like, I, that just blows my mind. But even then, like, I didn't allow my kids to play violent games where it was, a, like, they were a person shooting at another person. Think about that for just a minute. Like, from the time they were little, I was like, I mean, even a zombie or something like that would be one thing or like a, you know, an alien or something. But like for them to be seeing uh, this character shooting at another human character really bothered me and I didn't allow it. And I still don't actually. So, I mean, I'm sure there might be like one or two, like now they play these games that have games within games where like, 
I don't always get to see every single second of the inner workings of them all, but they know enough because I'll say to them, like sometimes I'll hear something shooting or like the sounds of like aggressive play kind of thing on a video game. And every time I'm like, now you realize that this is a game and not real life. And they are like, always look at me like an eye roll now because I've said it so many times since they were little. Every time I've ever seen any violence on TV or whatever, I'm like, you know, this is not real life. This is never how you behave. This is not what you do. So if the conversation's constantly had, I know it feels like it falls on deaf ears, but it sinks in, sinks in little by little to the point where you'll get the eye roll <laughs> when you say it. That when That's when you know you said it enough times. That, yes, I know that. <laughs> So that always helps. That's a good gauge. But I don't even know. I mean, when I saw that on the news, six, I mean, having access to a gun, knowing how to use a gun, or figuring it out from the things he's seen, and then having so much anger inside, that just feels like the only solution. And like, I don't know, how do you get there? How does that ever come to be? And I know we don't all have the same life experiences and things that go on. But um, when I see things like that, I always just think, oh, how wrong everything must be in this little person's world that that feels like the answer. And I'm sure a lot of people don't have any compassion when they, when they hear about this. Like, but I just kept thinking six. I mean, at six, it's a baby. You know what I mean? Six-year-olds are tiny little people who are really not self-reliant yet. And really just looking to their parents for love and affection and fun. And, and like, how could things be so wrong you know, that's all I kept thinking is like, wow, how and where have we failed this little person? Because they're not even like close to a fully grown mature brain. So somebody needs to be molding that clay. And it seems like it didn't happen, you know, or it did happen, but in all the wrong ways and all and forming it into all the wrong things. And oh, I don't know what I mean, what this is a great just thing for topic of conversation but where does it go from here i mean like a um juvenile detention center i don't even know at six they need their mom like that kills me too it's like we don't even take 10 week old puppies away from their moms yet like you know they have to wait till they're 10 weeks so like it's kind of like that if you think about okay so a dog's what seven year uh, one year is seven okay anyway point being that's like i feel like in the spectrum of if we were in dog years, the point being that we would still keep, it would be like an infant <laughs> that shouldn't be stripped from its parent yet, right? Like it's not old enough to be even in a detention center by themselves without a parent. That's how it feels to me. It's like three to five years old is still a baby, you know? And like, of course, three to five year olds could do things that can be life-threatening, but like they're a baby. So what then? Like we're, we just strip them from their parents, throw them in a system where they, you know, can experience more bad things. And they just, they definitely need so much more. And it's so sad. And, and it's all around us. And that, that's it. I mean, today I wanted to talk about this because I was hearing so many people pointing fingers um, about the, who had failed them in their lives, mainly being like, you know, of the healthcare industry, because of course, in the world I'm in, a lot of people fight a health battle before losing somebody. So, you know, I, that's the world that I'm living in. So that was what sparked my thoughts here. But it ties right into all this other stuff of like, where, where's the ownership? And how do we fix it? And 
all the finger pointing that's going to happen, you already know in a case like this, I mean, everybody was, oh, it's the parents. Oh, it's no way this kid is evil. Oh, no, it's the school system failed. They should have caught him before he got into the school with that gun. And oh, everybody's like, because we're so highly offended and we're so angry and and for a good reason in this case we are upset by the outcome of what took place and transpired so it's like well somebody must be at fault quick who do we blame instead of quick what do we fix and then maybe if we just as a society looked at things more as instead of like who do we blame how do we fix this how do we prevent it from happening again in the future that's where the answer lies because who cares about pulling up i mean unless pulling apart the who to blame comes up with a solution of what how would to fix it you know sometimes you can look to the the problem to find the solution because if we know well we failed them because they were left alone home alone or they were given video games and nobody was playing and reading books with them or whatever i mean whatever we can find where there might have been a place where in this kids mind that's a solution to anything um you know i think back to like the 80s and stuff now i grew up during a time where like cartoons did carry guns <laughs> like i remember was it what's the guy's name oh, I don't know. well yeah maybe it was yosemite sam i don't know who was the like these are these looney tune characters they ran around chasing things with guns i mean my point being this it's always been there it's not like this is some new thing because video games are in kids hands all the time but I still think back then, how did we play as kids? It was like our kid, our parents threw us outside. It was like, go play outdoors. It's nice out. You know, go be in the grass. Go play with bugs and put them in jars. Go whatever. Like, go do something outside and climb a tree. And, you know, and it wasn't necessarily like in our minds to be, I mean, the most weaponized thing that we played with was probably like a slingshot with a rock or like, yeah, maybe some kids had BB gun access. But like, I don't remember there being you know, a kid sneaking around in their house and finding an unlocked, you know, firearm and bringing it to school and shooting a teacher. I, I don't, I don't remember that. I just think that's something I'd remember. Maybe it happened still, but I feel like things are escalating because we're becoming less and less involved and we're doing less and less in the way of actually having life experiences. It's like, it's more about like on a Saturday. Now, granted, I mean, this, we could like really trace this back because it, it even starts with my kids are at school all day long and then they're after school all day long. That may make a lot of sense. But what I'm getting at is they have sports that literally take them from the end of the day all the way until bedtime. If you add in trying to fit in dinner, a shower, homework, all that stuff. So they're literally out straight all day. They don't get a second of time. So then... It stumbles right into the next day, into the next day, into the next. So now we've gotten Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just like that. Like a big snowball of tons of stuff to do. Then it's the weekend. And what do you think we do on the weekend? Well, I can tell you what I'm going to do on the weekend. I've got basketball and then basketball and then basketball. So I have three different basketball things to do. And then I'm bringing my kids to the mountain to ski. And then we have Sunday school on Sunday. And then if I have time, we're going to, you know, meet up with some friends who we haven't seen since Christmas and we wanted to get together. But my point is this, piling it all on like that, they are kind of exhausted. So let's say like Sunday afternoon ends up being the only thing where I don't slam something in. They're going to be so wiped out. Um, we have a friend who comes to the door, a neighbor friend who likes to play with my kids. 
And last weekend, I think it was Sunday afternoon, we got home at 2.30. And we hadn't even had lunch yet. We had just come from basketball games. No one had hopped in the shower yet. My kids were so tired that they turned down the opportunity to go out and play. My youngest kind of went, oh, I wanted to, from the other room. When my oldest was like sending him away and saying, oh, I don't think we can. We just got home. We haven't had lunch. And, da, da, da. and then sent him on his way. And my youngest was kind of like, oh, I wanted to play. And I was like, well, do you want me to holler out and get him back here and let him know? It's just going to be a few minutes so you can change and grab a quick lunch. And he was like, no. You know, like, but he, so in his heart's desire, he wanted to go outside and play. But he didn't have it in him. It's like he was stripped of the energy to do that. You know, like every part of him was like, yeah, wait, no, don't send him away. I want to go and do that. But then he was burnt out, like burning the candle at both ends kind of thing. Like just didn't even have, it was like we were running on fumes. We were totally out of energy and juice for the day. And I feel like that's because that's our only tiny little window to rest. Because the rest of the week, as I said, it's just go, go, go. Now, when I was a kid, I do remember after school, I mean, certainly when I got to maybe like high school age, it got a little more intense like that. But like when I was in elementary and middle school, I don't remember that. I remember maybe having a practice in middle school right after school. When I was in elementary, we only had Saturdays where we had scrimmages or whatever. We didn't have practice and then games. We didn't have practice and then games and then travel teams and, you know, AAU and elite programs and, you know, all-star teams. And no, no. (laughs) And so we fill up every single ounce of these kids, you know, cups with just so much, which is good because like I said, we want to keep them active and stuff so they're not sitting in front of the video game screen. But then they're just out of energy and like, so then when the weekend comes in a lot of households, especially if like all week long it was, you know, morning till night and then the weekend comes and it's like, ugh. (laughs) just give me the video game remote control or put the TV on. That's all they have the energy for. So it's like, you know, where are we going to attack this? How are we going to fix it so it doesn't keep happening? Well, I mean, some of it, we might need to actually dial back a little on the activities. Because if we could go back to the way things used to be in terms of like, let a little less homework at night, a little less after school sports and stuff. Like instead of several days a week, maybe just a day a week or maybe just the weekends for these elementary aged kids or whatever it is. It's all about competition all the time, you know, trying to keep up with other schools and get our program better and all this stuff. But man, at what, um, you know, what is being sacrificed here, you know, to what end? So I think Maybe if we really started to pull it apart to see where things went wrong, maybe it's somewhere in there. Or maybe, you know, all his friends are doing all these things and he's not a part of it or whatever. I do know I've seen a lot of really, really disturbed little kids lately who shouldn't be. They shouldn't be angry like that. They shouldn't have all that built up and pent up in them. And I do know our school tries to like intervene with things with guidance and like different activities that get the whole school united and Um, you know, winter carnival days where even if these kids don't have access to some of these outdoor things at home that they get to do it at school. But again, we're keeping them real busy. And I I mean, in the grief world, I'll tell you this, I talk about keeping real busy as a sort of distraction mechanism that I, I personally use to avoid like avoidance of all of this emotional stuff that's going on. I busy, busy, busy myself when I don't want to deal with it and it's not healthy. But If that's kind of what we're doing with our kids, right? It's like we're 
we're not necessarily dealing with some of these emotional things that are going on in their lives. If they're upset about parents divorcing or the fighting going on in a household or, you know, whatever it is, if they're not getting, you know, that stuff discussed or they're not getting talked to about those things and it's stewing inside them and they're sad and emotional about it. And what we do to Band-Aid fix that is throw activities down their throat and we never just sit down and talk to them. You know, I was having a hard practice recently with these little kids and I remember saying to one of them one day because he just kind of sad and sulking on the side and I was like, what's happening here? And it was like, it was all inner pressure, but he was so concerned. I can't shoot. Now I know you can shoot, <laughs> you know, so what's really going on here? I keep missing. Well, what, you know, why is it affecting him like that? This is the thing. It's real easy to surface, say, oh, well, here you look, let's try. Oh, look at this. You can shoot. You know, got to believe in yourself. That's surface level stuff. Why does this kid think it matters so much? Why does he care so much about whether or not he can or can't hit the hoop to begin with? Why does that matter? You know, and part of it, I think, is that our entire reward system that we have, like, the, the kids get this sort of, like, fix by playing a sport and then having people cheer and, like, when things go right. So when they don't go right and that's the only amount of, like, positive feedback they're getting and it's not there, it's draining, <laughs> you know. So sometimes it's just, like, it's a, it's real easy to just try to fix the surface problems, but it's always a Band-Aid fix. And I'm all about, let's try to figure out on a deeper level what is really going on here. What's really missing in the home? What's really missing in these kids' lives? Are we shoving activities down their throat, but at the expense of laying on their bed at night and having a real conversation about their school day? Uh, I know that when you all you can have is a quick 20-minute meal before you dart out the door, it's not as likely that we're going around the table and saying the best parts of our day and the worst parts of our day. And we're not really talking about who we sat with at the lunch table. And we are quite literally shoving food down our throats and taking off. And so some of that stuff is left to just kind of sit and smolder. So, I mean, I know today was about sort of what is our influence over others and like, are we, who's really the puppet master here? We're all responsible for our own actions at the end of the day. Young people, I mean, we have to as parents acknowledge that some of what we do in the household is sinking in. They're little sponges and they're taking it all in and they're learning from us. And um, and sometimes they just have a lot to say that we're never stopping to listen to and pause and hear them out. So I mean, by the time we're adults, I think there's a whole lot less influence that we have over one another. I think people are pretty darn set in their ways. And even with this talk today of me saying, well, it's not the doctor's fault. I mean, I would guess that if you believe something was a doctor's fault, you're going to tell me right now. And a bunch of you probably have been mumbling through that. Well, you don't know this situation. This was definitely the doctor's fault. They did this and this and this. So like by the time we're adults, we already are ready to defend our point to the death. And so... I guess the whole reason that I worked kids into this discussion today is because it starts there. That's when the clay is still moldable. That's when there is stuff that's being learned and acquired for information that's going to be used later in life. And we might not even realize how much they're taking in because sometimes they're like playing off in a corner and you think, well, they're not even listening. Oh, they're listening. They're aware of what's going on. The energy in a home is absorbed. Um, how rested they are, what they're filling their downtime with, how much we're packing into their 
busy times a day, all that stuff. It just all affects everything else. So guys, maybe a little inspiration today. I don't know. Um, more about parenting than I thought would, was going to come in. But um, I think, you know, today's news just kind of struck a nerve a little bit. It's hard to see somebody at such a young age. What was it? Five or six? I guess six, maybe a six-year-old. I probably said five-year-old and messed that up. But um, I believe it was a six-year-old first grader. Either way, it was a first grader. So um, that stuff hasn't has to at least make you pause and just look at life a little differently. So um, whatever you do, do your best. And so all those little eyes that are watching you, you never know how many are keeping their eyes on you and looking to you for a little direction. So uh, giving them rest, giving them good examples. I guess it's the best we can do for today. But um, thanks for joining, guys. And I can't wait to see you on the next one. Bye.